I never once realized how much I hibernate in winter until this year. I don't go outside unless I have to go outside. And I'm not really even going outside. I'm walking, I don't know, the 16 to 20 steps to my car and then getting in it and, and driving to wherever I have to go, be it maybe one of three places, the grocery store, uh, to visit my family, or to visit a friend. And that is it. End of sentence, uh, of action, of everything. I don't leave in winter. And I realized that I kind of judge and shame myself for it. I never realized how much I made it a negative thing and started to question, like, why did I suddenly become lazy? Because in summer, I thrive in warm water, water, weather, in warm weather and water. I I thrive in warm water, too, mind you. I I thrive in a hot bath and a hot shower. I, I am, you will never catch me being one of those people who blasts herself with cold water before she gets out of the shower or the first second she gets in the shower. I used to be a wardrobe stylist and I worked with models. And I'm not just saying any average, you know, one-off model. I'm talking like top models. I have met a bunch of them. And they used to tell me they would take cold showers because it gets rid of the appearance of cellulite. So they would take a cold shower before... They had a photo shoot and boom, no cellulite in the photo shoot. Not that they really, I mean, they were so skinny most of the time. There really wasn't much going on that could create even an illusion of cellulite. But yeah, you're never going to find me doing that. I honestly don't even like to get dressed in the winter. And those of you who have been following me know that I get dressed every day. Even if I'm not always on camera, I am dressed and ready to go. My friends even compliment me. They're like, "I now that I'm home all the time, Amy, I don't know how you do it. Well, let me tell you, the minute the weather breaks and goes under 50 degrees, it doesn't happen anymore. I frequent like sweatshirts, hoodies, high socks. My outfits don't even match half the time. You can't see me from the waist down again. During the summer months, I'm normally put together. Winter months, uh, you don't want to see the bottom half of me. The socks are like yanked up over my pants. I've got 20 layers on top. Usually it's my own merchandise mixed and matched with other random things. It's a, it's a shish kebab of disaster around here in the winter. I'm just like always cold. It doesn't matter how high I turn the heat up. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting with a heating pad on me. One of my Christmas presents, uh, my mom got me this thing, this thing that looks like a giant whoopee cushion. Everybody thought it was a whoopee cushion as I was unwrapping it. I thought it was a whoopee cushion, but then I saw the word heat on the top of it with flames. And I thought, oh shit, would she get me? Because I've I'm a very fire safety conscious type of individual. If you got something that heats up, now I've got to like test drive it and make sure it's not going to catch fire. 
Well, it's this giant heated whoopee cushion thing. When you sit on it, I don't know how. I didn't read the instructions, but it's just you sit on it. You don't plug it in, nothing. It just starts to heat up. So I tried that sitting at my desk because I think I just have bad circulation. So sitting at a desk all day doesn't really work for me. I have to get up frequently and move around. Otherwise, I'm ice cold. My appendages go ice cold. They're numb. I can't feel them properly. And then, you know, you have to get up and go to the bathroom, right? And then you got to wash your hands. Well, Amy's got wet cat syndrome. So then I stand there waiting for the water out of the sink to heat up because I can't freeze myself more. I'm already cold and can't feel my appendages. And now I've got to wash my hands and the water is cold for about two to five minutes until it gets to the point where it's scorching. Scorching? Is it scorching? Scorching. Scorching hot. And then I can effectively wash my hands. Wet cat Amy. Out. It just came to me. If I had a co-host, they would only be of value to me here. Because I could carry a conversation with myself and the walls for days. But they would be highly valuable when I don't know how to properly pronounce a word. Did I ever tell you I dated a guy earlier this year who listened to a few episodes of my podcast and continued to insult me? Like, he didn't find it part of my charm. I say it's, you know, it's part of my je ne sais quoi that I bump into a word that I think I know is pronounced this way and then I sit there kind of out loud debating with myself. I think it's funny. People who know me and are around me and like my personality find it to be charming and funny. Somebody who just doesn't like me or relate to my personality might find that to be annoying. He was super judgy and you know, a little bit arrogant when it came to business and and kind of offered unsolicited advice to me all the time. And he told me I should stop doing that on my podcast. (laughs) Clearly, I didn't listen. Yeah, I don't take too kindly to people telling me what to do. I wouldn't say I have a problem with authority. I just have an awareness that I'm the authority over myself. And I get to call the shots for me. In every area of life, I respect laws. Yeah, like sometimes I do the speed limit. Not all the time. I do not text and drive, though. I got a ticket for that once. And I wasn't even texting when I got the ticket. I was glancing at my GPS. I feel like we have spoken about this in a very early episode of the podcast. Yes, I believe I named that whole podcast after um, I I said, I know the fa-la-la-la-la laws, sir. That was the name of that episode. I, I... was not texting and driving, but got a ticket for texting and driving because New Jersey law says that if you look down and away and your phone is anywhere in that vicinity, immediate ticket. Um, I believe, I don't recall, you'd have to go listen to it, but I think it was like a $450 fine that I paid. I had a mandatory court date. 
where when I first walked in, I watched a couple get married and all of us offenders applauded their marriage. Could you imagine? Oh, what a story. Every time I tell anybody these stories about my life, they go, only you, only you. And I think, does nobody else have interesting things happen to them? Or is it just the way I tell the story that makes it interesting? I have yet to figure it out. But I've hung out with enough people in my 36 years of existence here. Um, I, I think only interesting things happen to me. <laughs> so I've been getting messages from a lot of you eager to find out how Christmas went. Y'all listen to the podcast before Christmas. So I, I emailed a little blip to those that are on my email list. Uh, yesterday, you got an email and got a little dose of how my Christmas went. I would say, all in all, it was a successful holiday for me. Uh, I definitely was very sensitive to the topic of Dewey and made that known to my mother upon arrival to her house that I'm very emotional and cannot look at a picture of him or talk about him today without bawling my eyes out. So I would appreciate us just not talking about him, but he's in my heart and he's in my mind. I just, I don't want to talk about it. And she understood and respected that, which was great. Uh, but yeah, first Christmas without him. Uh, luckily, my fur nephew, Tank, um, Tanky Poo, Tanky Poo was there and was with me all day. And I just kept saying to him, do you miss your cousin who used to hump you? Dewey would hump Tank, not because Dewey's gay. Uh, I don't believe Dewey was, was gay. Uh, I wouldn't have an issue if he was, but he only took to humping Tank or $100 bills. Now, I'm not making that up. Once again, I told you my life is fascinating. <laughs> my dog doesn't want your, he, he didn't want a dollar. He didn't want 20. He didn't want five. He didn't even want 50s. He only stole $100 bills. I'm not playing. This is going way back into my nannying days. I would bring him to the house that I nannied at on occasion. And he would, if there was money, somewhere within his vicinity, he would steal it. He would steal the money and then he would hump the money. And I'm thinking, that's my boy. That's my boy. I raised you right. He would stick his head in my purse, pull out the hundreds, and then stand over top of them and air hump them. And the only other thing I've ever seen him air hump, because he wouldn't mount Tank. And Tank is a Yorkie poo. Dewey was a Pomeranian, so Dewey was a little, little bigger, okay, a little bigger, and he would not mount him. He would just stand near him and hump, and I remember when it started, I brought it up to, to Dewey's vet uh, and as a concern because I was like, he has, he, he's been neutered <laughs> for for years. Like, all of a sudden, he's humping. I figured with the money, it was probably the smell of the money, right? But hmm, his nephew, like his cousin, my fur nephew, uh, didn't smell like money, did not smell, at, like, smelt good, smelt like a groomed dog, right? 
So I didn't really understand it. And I was like, why is my dog suddenly humping his cousin? That's a little weird. And my vet says to me, well, he's exerting his dominance because they would both be, it usually took place in my parents' house. And I used to live in my parents' house with Dewey. So Dewey felt like that was his territory. He was exerting dominance, but he was he was not confident enough to fully exert it. So he would hump, but he would air hump nearby. <laughs> Which is quite frankly is like the cutest thing in the world, but also just this big, oh, you poor baby. Like you can mount him. It's all right. Show him who's boss. But he didn't he didn't want to necessarily show him who's boss. He just wanted to allude to it nearby. <laughs> so yeah, Tank and I reminisced about his cousin wanting to hump him all the time and really comforted me throughout the day. So that was nice. I've realized you know, it's nice to hold somebody else's dog, pet somebody else's dog, even talk to somebody else's dog. I, I even offer to to puppy sit people's dogs, like friends of mine or or my brother and sister in law. But I will not. I like. I just can't do it. I've said it. I'm saying it again. I can't do it. I the ending is too hard for me. Uh, animal wise and and listen before I had Dewey I had a pet rabbit named Misty when I was a kid who I walked on a leash and my animals for me they go out with a bang they don't go out in a subtle quiet fashion Misty had a full-on seizure in my arms and it was like a tragic traumatic experience for me when as a kid I was standing in the kitchen. I remember it like it was yesterday. And that's the problem. I remember that like it was yesterday. My mother was driving down the street. I think my brother and sister maybe were in the car with her. And they were just pulling into the driveway. I remember our front door was open. And I'm standing right in the kitchen holding Misty, thinking and knowing something's off. And then all of a sudden, Misty starts having a seizure, and I ran to the front door. They were coming back from Blockbuster. That's how vintage this story is. And I am screaming from the front porch, there's nothing wrong with Misty. And long story short, Misty got buried in the garden out back in a shoebox, that was not happening to my Dewey. But, you know, as you know, go listen to the episode that says Dear Dewey. Like, it recaps the whole thing. Dewey went out with a bang, too. That's it. I'm done. Tapped out. No more for Amy. Thank you. So that was a difficult part for me. Uh, but having Tank there and just, like, holding a furry animal was was nice. It, it was definitely soothing. Uh Other than that, my brother paid $10 for a cameo. (laughs) That was my, that was my Christmas present. And he made sure to tell me that he got the guy when he first joined cameo. So he only had to pay $10. I'm thinking, why did you tell me that? Now I know how much I spent compared to what you spent on me. But priceless gift, I will say very creative. My brother usually nails it uh, with the with the gifts. My sister always has super thoughtful gifts. 
my sister, everybody, my sister-in-law, my, my mom got me exactly what I put on the list that I gave her. So I would say win. I, I won all the way around. My gifts definitely reflected my personality pretty well. Um, and we did have, you know, if you read the email that I sent, we had a little blip in the day per usual, which is why I'm not a huge fan of holidays. The little blip occurred. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I am going to speak from from my perspective in terms of my own growth. So normally when there is some sort of issue, any, any day of the week, but we're speaking holiday now, I know to expect it on a holiday. I know it's coming. I'm not making it happen because I know it's coming. I know a lot of you believe that. That's a misunderstanding of the law of attraction. I'm not making other people behave certain ways. So get that whole idea out of your mind and let's begin there. You can't control other people's behavior. I'm not in control of how other people in my family are going to choose to react or respond on Christmas. I just know through repeated action and consistency over time, what to expect. I know it's coming. This is the behavior that always happens on a holiday. It's why I hate holidays, because I don't have a fond memory of this this shit not happening. So I go into it mentally and emotionally kind of equipped to expect something to take place and just making sure that in the midst of it taking place, I am tending to me, right? And my focus is always on I'm going to do something differently based on my own understanding of my own patterns and emotional state. So in other words, my focus is on my own growth. And that's what minding your own business means. Get it? So I didn't always get it. So I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying, do you get it? Because I didn't always get what minding your business meant. I just always heard people say it. Mind your business, mind your business. Minding your business means focus on you and what is leaving you in terms of words and actions. Mind your business, right? That's the shit I can handle and control. I can't handle and control what's coming out of you. I have no impact on that. I only have the, the ability to respond or react accordingly. So I was focused. I I didn't know what was coming. I will say, and I hope I can put this into words and communicate it effectively because I have yet to say this really out loud, but it's potent in my head. And that's that I didn't go into Christmas with any set idea of if this happens, I will do this, which for me, is sometimes necessary in certain settings to have that exit strategy. But I am around my family enough. I have worked on my own boundaries and growth enough that it wasn't a thought that I had to consciously think about anymore. That was the difference. I didn't have to remind myself or prep myself that way because I already now just embody it and know it, right? When we don't quite yet know it and just instinctually do it, we have to remind ourselves and kind of repeat it and practice or write it down. So going in, I just 
made sure I, I meditated, I tended to all of my needs that morning, made sure Amy was well taken care of. Amy was fed, Amy worked out, Amy meditated, Amy took her time, Amy made sure that whatever she was wearing, however her hair and makeup was, made her feel good. Like I just made sure I was put together and all my boxes, boxes were checked. So I didn't have any feeling of void or insecurity in me leaving my house and going there where I knew I might be walking in where people were feeling their own insecurities. And if I wasn't feeling full walking in, their insecurities might might trigger mine or I might take their reactions or responses personally. You caught that, right? When you are low, when you haven't tended to your needs, when you're feeling a void inside of you, you are way more susceptible, way more vulnerable to outside conditions, other people's insecurities, mood swings, reactions, whatever, harming you or you taking them personally. When you are full, when you've made sure you put you first, when you've gotten on the airplane, this cliche fucking example that everybody knows, they don't always listen to. When you get on the airplane and they tell you, put that freaking mask on your face if we go down before you help your neighbor, that's the shit that nobody seems to do consistently and then wonders why they show up to their mother-in-laws or their boyfriends or that friend's house and they're immediately triggered by behavior communication that's not on the up and up. Well, guess what? If you're looking for the perfect human being, uh, A, I'm not it. Trust me, I'm not it. Okay, I try to show you how flawed I am so you recognize that emotional work and and regulating yourself and personal development and self-awareness and all of these things doesn't equal perfection. It just equals health. It equals well-being. It it's just me taking care of me so that I can be happy regardless of how everybody else is being. So I filled myself up and then I went there and I had no conscious thought process. And I think sometimes we do this so because we're scared and we're expecting something and it's our way of controlling or feeling feeling a sense of control is we play out scenarios in our head, right? Well, if this happens, then I'll do this, or what if this takes place, or is this the conversation I'm going to have with this person? That's stuff that I used to do kind of going into a holiday. I didn't do that this time, and that was a significant difference for me. This time I went in and I just showed up as Amy with a trust in Amy that Amy knew how to handle anything that was going to unfold that day. And when the shit unfolded, because trust me, the shit unfolded, guys, the shit went down. And I was able to not only kind of step back and observe, but I I saw the inner workings of like the family dynamics completely different than I've ever seen them before. Like where I used to perceive it as I was always the one that, let's say my parents were blaming and maybe the my filter kind of viewed the other people that were present as 
favored, right? And I would victimize myself. In this situation, similar to, you know, after Thanksgiving situations, I viewed it very differently. And that's reflective of what I've done within me and my mindset and and my own work and processing emotions and trauma and stuff like that in my own life. I was able to see everything differently this time. And I looked at it and went, oh, wait a minute. I see that they're screaming and they're making only eye contact with me, but it's very clear I didn't do anything. I wasn't the one who said anything, did anything, whatever, but they're aiming their fire at me. And then it clicked in my head, wait, I've always been the one that stepped into the line of fire even when it wasn't my fight. You know why? Because I had a belief that it was my job to speak up on behalf of everybody. I had a mouth and I knew how to use it and I had awareness and I knew how to translate it and communicate it. A lot of you guys will say to me, sometimes when I respond to your comments on Instagram or some of your DMs or even in a session, I'll have people consistently say, I'm not that good with words like you, or can't you just communicate it for me? Can you write it out for me? Whatever. I I know that that's a skill set I have, and I must have adapted in a belief somewhere down, down the line where I felt like it was my job to just step in and, and communicate because I knew I was good at conflict resolution. I knew I could see things and, and communicate it in a a way that wasn't maybe attacking or going to escalate a situation. I thought, if anything, I would be able to take everybody down about 10 to 20 notches and, and calm them because I was always the fixer or the problem solver. This time, I just stood back and watched and observed all of that and then recognized what I would normally have done that I was not doing. And it was funny. (laughs) It was funny to me. I wasn't laughing on the outside, but in my head, I for sure was like, wow, fascinating. This is, wow. I was not engaging. I was not making eye contact when people were screaming at me because I wasn't really the person that they should have been communicating with, although they weren't able to communicate in that setting. And then I looked around the room and observed the others who I would normally step in the line of fire for. And I just casually said, want to play Jenga? And so those of you who read my email, you read that. That was fucking hysterical after the fact to me when I retold the story to be because I went, oh my God, imagine how funny that must have seemed to them in that moment of chaos where I just like very calmly and matter-of-factly said, hey guys, want to play Jenga? (laughs) And, And while everybody else is like storming around the house, screaming and yelling and slamming doors, I'm like building the freaking Jenga tower at the kitchen table, like not even engaging or minding what is going on around me. I got to stand back and watch this whole 
cycle of fuckery take place that I normally would insert myself into. And they were expecting me to. That's why they were making eye contact with me when they were yelling. They're used to me stepping in and being the one that takes the hit for everybody. And mind you, I I thought about it for a second, but I was like, it's not my job to do this. It's not my job to protect everybody. It's not my job to save everybody. It's not my job to assure that nobody feels embarrassed. Like these are all their individual responsibilities and I'm going to take care of me. And so it's interesting. A lot of you will often say, you know, I'm trying to, let's say, set boundaries, but it seems like nobody's listening and, and, I guess I can't have boundaries. Or some of you go to the other extreme and you're like, uh, am I going to be alone the rest of my life because these people won't, won't respect my boundaries? And I say to everybody across the line, no matter what side of, of that argument you're on, that people need to play catch up because you've shifted your behavior and they've grown accustomed to you behaving a certain way. But once you grow... Like, they don't know. You didn't hand them that script to read yet. They don't know what part they play. They're going to behave the same way they've always behaved, the way that you've allowed them to behave with you until you adjust and consistently stay in that new place and teach them, reteach them how to treat you the new way. So to be able to, to, be able to regulate yourself in a moment of chaos where you're just observing the chaos even when it's standing right in front of your face screaming at you and you are mindful of how you normally engage and you're aware that they want you to engage that way because that's what they, they, they're they used to. And now you're not doing it, so they're confused because they're still behaving that old way and you're no longer behaving that way. I say to clients, it's like, you're you're reading you were once reading from the same script and you just you just upgraded the script but they're still reading that old script so they're still playing that old part but you've changed how you play your part and they don't know they don't have that new script yet so that's always that's the shit that gets the fire under my ass lit like that's the shit that excites me and not everybody obviously functions this way or with with awareness into people. Like, not everybody finds people's behavior interesting. I would know. I have a lot of people that say to me, why do you care why they're behaving that way? Because I find it interesting. Like, why do you care what creates rain? I don't give a shit how rain is created. It doesn't, that doesn't fascinate me, but it might fascinate a meteorologist, right? I don't care how a plant grows. Quite frankly, I'm not that good with live plants. Bless, I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm waving the sign of the cross right now in front of my bamboo that's sitting next to me just because I know it heard me. But I don't, I, I don't have a fascination around that, around growing plants, planting seeds and shit like that. I have that fascination mentally and emotionally and physically, but not with plants. But there are plenty of people in the world who are fascinated by I'm not that interested in uh, learning all the little different hacks to clean my home. 
sometimes I get bored and I watch those Instagram accounts and I learn a new way to do something and I'm like, oh, wow, cool. And then I'm over it after one time doing it. But there are people who live for that shit. There are people that shove all of their clothing and comforters into a a bathtub and let it strip. You ever seen those videos on Instagram? They just like, it strips. There's a name for it. Somebody's going to DM me after this episode and tell me. They, it strips all the dirt. Like it's not a normal wash. It's like a, almost like a deep clean and it, you sit it in the tub and then the tub water turns like brown and then you wash it like normal again. I am not, I, I don't want to spend my time doing stuff like that. I don't. Like if I wanted to clean it that well, I, I'll throw it out and buy something new. That might sound wasteful, but that's how I feel about that, right? There are people that feel that way about their behavior patterns and their emotions. I find this to take precedent and priority over deep cleaning my down comforter that I could just go to Walmart and buy another one at, you know, half the cost. Walmart loyal. So Jenga turned into Jenga with Nerf guns in the midst of an apology tour by the individual who had gone off and and shouted and ranted and raved for about 25 minutes, okay? So the apology tour led to gifting us all with Nerf guns. Yes, okay, a whole lot of fuckery, but you gotta laugh. Come on, that's so funny. So we all got Nerf guns, and not a normal Nerf gun. I mean, Nerf, Nerf just goes above and beyond these days. This one shot three at once. And they don't even have, my sister-in-law pointed out, they used to make the Nerf, the, the little Nerf things, the, the, the bullets. What do you call them? The little, you know, styrofoam things that shoot out or, I guess, bullets. Um, they used to make them with the suction cup at the end, right? So it would stick to something. They are freaking savage these days. Those Nerf people, they don't even put a suction cup on the end anymore. That that That's just got a, a hardened piece of plastic that that pellet just nails you. So my dad is in one room and my brother's in the kitchen. I didn't open and take apart the gun out of the packaging. I just laid it on the floor because I was really invested in my Jenga game. And my sister-in-law did the same thing as me. So we start getting hammered with nerf uh pellets what do you fucking call them (laughs) we we start getting nailed with them in the middle of a jenga game and let me tell you playing jenga with my brother is insanity because my brother likes to pull out like the main the base of the jenga tower he Leaves you with one, 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 one. Like he stacks you up on ones until you're about midway into the tower and then it's kind of normal again. So the whole damn thing is wobbly. And now we've got those Nerf things flying at us. And then he takes it a step further and starts shooting his pieces out of the Jenga tower with the Nerf gun. So yeah, chaos and, and crazy turned into like fun chaos and crazy. Uh, I would say from me and my traumatic experiences growing up, this was a breath of fresh air. The fact that we could divert our attention from getting screamed at that just felt hard and heavy to, hey, want to play Django, which just opened the door for a Nerf war. Um, 
Take notes, kids. <laughs> That's how it's done. As someone who has always almost taken pride, it's kind of sick, but, uh, but I will be honest and fully transparent. I think for years I took pride in taking responsibility for other people's well-being, like in my family, that as someone who did that for so long, nowadays, I, I will say to you with all my heart, how much more fun life is and relationships and friendships and family dynamics are when you just take care of you, when you are just responsible for yourself and you let them and you stop enabling them, but you let them just tend to themselves, even when they don't want to, who cares? Tend to you. It's so much more fun. Take it from me. I have, listen, I have been in one extreme and the other extreme, and I have found the middle ground. I have found the balance, and it is worth, it is worth every bit of your boundaries and, and your consistency and even that little bit of frustration that happens as you're reteaching them how to treat you, it's worth every little bit of it. We mean well, we do, as people, humans, with the ones we love, we mean well when we don't mind our business sometimes. We do have the best of intentions at times when we maybe overstep or take responsibility for somebody else's mental or emotional state, but you're not helping anyone by doing that, ever. So even though it might be coming from a really genuinely good place for the majority of us, you're not helping them. They are never gonna change if you continue. They never have a chance to grow as long as you enable them and keep them playing into the same patterns that they're in. And really, it's the it's not about them. It's your desire and need and addiction to do that, to neglect yourself, because that's what it is at the end of the day. Those of you like me who struggled with people-pleasing, codependency, who tend to everybody else before you, who take responsibility for them, you have an issue with self-neglect. But most people don't go that deep. When you're online and you're reading all of those happy-go-lucky empowering messages on Instagram, you see people say, you have to love yourself more. And what they don't do is go further and explain to you what that actually means. That's why you have me. I'm always going to do that because I can't stand people like that. That's a very, that, that shows me either you're hooking me to pay you so you can tell me, I give away all of the information, y'all still pay me. See how that works? Because it's about building trust, but it's also, I, I have genuine interest in helping you. It's, it is about loving yourself more, but somebody who struggles with self-neglect doesn't understand. You can't speak that language to them. They go, oh, great, that sounds nice. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do I logically do that? So you have to speak their language. you got to communicate to them in the way they can hear it, which is you struggle with neglect. You put yourself last. If you had the option of putting yourself first, what would you do first? They can answer that question easier than you saying, hey, love yourself more. What does that look like to you? Go do it. Go love yourself more. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't. Honestly, 
I'm go I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a whole episode and it might sound a little bit like a roast. That's fine. I don't I'm at the point I don't give a shit anymore. It needs to be said. Somebody needs to say it and somebody needs to be brave enough to say it. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about people who mislead and misguide you online who you know, put up a facade and pretend like they're helping you. But I I'm going to show you how to tell the difference. I I'm going to do a whole episode on that. I am. Um, maybe I'll just spend the rest of my day recording that one and give you a nice bonus this week before the new year. Slam you with two good episodes before 2021. Why not? Let's go out with a bang like Misty and Dewey did. <laughs> okay. Uh That's a wrap, kids. I, I had a great holiday. Uh, we're going into a new year, which really means jack shit to me because I, I don't, I'm not here for holidays. I don't really celebrate them. And really just putting a new number on the one check that I write every month. Because <laughs> I only, I, 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 not many people don't write checks anymore. I still have a checkbook and I write one check a month for one thing that I pay. Um, and, and so to just change the number on that, I I don't, I don't need to celebrate a holiday to do that. It's just another day, like everything else, uh, that we put a nice label on and, and create a celebration around. So don't load it up with any sort of meaning. I wouldn't do that to yourself, especially if you're somebody who's, who's easily anxious or um doesn't always follow through on goals, don't do it that way. You got one step at a time, one step at a time. What does um, AA teach you? I'm not in AA. I know nothing about AA. Although I did have somebody once years ago because I issued an apology, at, unsolicited apology at random to somebody that because I was doing some inner work and had reflected and felt bad about something, issued an apology and they came back with, are you in AA? And I was like, no, why? And they go, well, cause you just came at me with a random apology. And I'm like, I didn't know that, that only, if, if you issue an unsolicited apology, that, oh, that only means that you're an alcoholic, alcohol, al alcoholics anonymous, alcoholics anonymous, alcohol anonymous. Yeah, Alcoholics Anonymous. See where the co-host would be handy right now? Ah, stay tuned. See you soon.